Let us remember we are always and everywhere in the holy presence of God. Hello, this is Rick, and welcome to the Presence Podcast. I am here with you recording on Saturday the 19th, oh, middle of the afternoon, and I'm talking with you about yesterday, Friday the 18th. Certainly had hoped to have had this posted sooner. As I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, I am getting a little bit slippery in the posting times, but my goal is to get back on schedule, post this evening's, today's podcast this evening, and continue to go forward from there. But regardless of what time it is, wherever you are and where I am, thank you for listening about how yesterday I kept my eyes, my ears, and my soul open to experience the presence of God. So I'm a teacher and I'm a learner and I really enjoy doing both. And I think in order to continue to be a good teacher and a even better teacher, I need to continue to learn. And I love it when learning kind of falls in place in kind of unexpected ways. And this happened yesterday. So let me walk you through the process, which I do think is a, at least to some extent, a God-driven process, perhaps, that somehow God is present and moving in this process. And I hope you'll see that as well. So Thursday night, I was working at the winery two nights ago, and we had a party and the party had cheese, cheese trays, you know, little diced cubed cheese. And there was a lot of cheese and a lot of cheese left over. So my boss, the owner of the winery suggested that I take the cheese with me. And I took it in yesterday morning to the faculty room, which is always a good place to bring food and people seem to enjoy it. So I was Friday morning thinking about cheese. And I go into my email and one of the emails that I get each day is a um, uh, from a group called Today I Learned Something, fun facts and interesting insights. And quite frankly, I don't read it that often, but yesterday there was something that caught my eye. It was a Ted Ed animated video. And just as an aside, we're all familiar with TED Talks, but they now have this whole Ted Ed section, division, that has really good animated videos. The ones that I've encountered are all under five minutes. The animation quality is very good. The um, educational value is good. Many of them have um, supporting lesson plans and, and other materials. So I would encourage you to check that out, especially if you're a teacher or if you're just a learner as well. And I will forward to you this particular video that I showed. And it was a video on the history of, you guessed it, cheese. So I started watching this video myself during first period. And first period and second period are preparation periods for me. First is a study hall and then second is a true preparation period. So I watched this and I'm a fan of cheese. I got to be honest, I love cheese, all kinds. Probably I like it too much, like maybe most Americans, most people in the world perhaps even. And I learned quite a bit about cheese from this little five-minute TED-Ed video. And I'll give you some of the highlights. First of all, 
cheese apparently dates back to at least eight centuries before the common era, which would be 10 centuries, 10, um, almost 10, oh, just 10 centuries, which is amazing. Uh, 10, 10, not 10 centuries, excuse me, 10 millennia. There we go. 10 millennia. I stand corrected. That is 8,000 years before the beginning of the common era. That's eight. So 10, 10 millennia. Yes. A thousand years. So <laughs> sorry about that. Um, so yes, earliest cultures in Mesopotamia, the Fertile Crescent cheese was one of the things they first discovered. And it was a discovery because they had goat and sheep milk because that's what they raised. They didn't have cattle in that part of the world at that time. But what they found is that the milk, if it got warm, it curdled and curds floated to the top. And if they took the liquid off and just had the curds, that was a very yummy, delicious cheese curd, what we would call today cheese curd. Now, I'm not going to get into the weeds about cheese curds and so forth, the different kinds of cheese, because I'm actually going to get into that in a moment. But the point is this, that it goes back a long, long way. So I was curious, looking at where cheese began to be developed in the world, and again, this Ted Ed video was invaluable with that, I got to thinking, did the ancient Israelites, the people that we will be learning about in my Old Testament freshman religion class, did they eat cheese? And I had never really thought about that before. You know, I knew certain things that they ate, um, olive oil and lamb. And in Jesus's time in Galilee, they ate a lot of fish and dried fish. So I knew all of those things, bread, of course, but I didn't know about cheese. So I looked it up. It took me a little while to come up with the right search terms and find the right website, but I found one. And if you stay with me through the break, I'll tell you what I learned about that answer. Did the ancient Israelites eat cheese? Well, thank you for staying with me through the break. And the answer to that question, did the ancient Israelites eat cheese, is yes, they did. But we don't know exactly what that cheese was like compared to the wide variety of modern cheeses that we have. And the article that I found, which I will also tweet out, is a very interesting one. And it gets at the issue of four main, or really five main um, types of food that the ancient Israelites ate, five staples, really. Beer, wine, bread, honey, and cheese. Now, basically what it says is that the challenge is, and this is a challenge with any type of biblical translation or really any translation from the ancient world, is that our word cheese covers a wide range of types that we might modify with cream cheese or Swiss cheese or cheddar cheese, right? But the ancient Israelites didn't really have multiple words. We see in various biblical passages, and there are a few where there is a ancient Hebrew word, which is, um, I'm looking for it here in the website. It's, a, it's the main word that they use 
There are some other ones. It is Hemah, which is C-H-E-M-A-H. And there's a number of places in scripture, five or six that this website gives, where that word is used, but it's very difficult to determine exactly what kind of cheese that was. Now, we know that it likely wasn't a hard cheese like a Parmesan or a Romano. It probably wasn't a super soft cheese like a Brie. Certainly wasn't a highly processed cheese like a uh, American cheese, what we call American cheese. It actually was closer probably to cheese curds, which is a delicacy, so to speak. I, I kind of say that with a smirk in French Canada and Wisconsin and other places where they fry it and toss it on French fries with gravy. Mmm, sounds interesting. Um, But nevertheless, we don't really know. One thing that caught my attention, and back to the Ted Ed video, is that the Egyptians, it says in the video, the ancient Egyptians made what we would call today uh, cottage cheese by squeezing the cheese through um, papyrus reeds as kind of a filter or a, you know, as a, as a mesh, like we might do today with, I think what we call a cheesecloth um, as well. There you go. So that would make sense that the ancient Israelites, when they were in Egypt in slavery, they learned about this cheese making and then took it with them as they moved forward into the promised land and also forward into history. So I commend to you this article uh, about translations and cheese because it is really very interesting, I think. So interesting that, and this was part of the process yesterday that I was thinking about in the morning as I was putting together this lesson, because I did end up with my classes yesterday showing them the Ted Ed cheese video and talking a little bit about this cheese article and biblical translation. But... I was so impressed by it that I decided I would give an extra credit assignment based on this article where the kids had to create a PowerPoint presentation to teach each other to learn themselves, but also to teach each other about what the article says. And also it's to introduce them to making PowerPoints because we are going to have an assignment related to the creation stories that they will have to do similarly, create a PowerPoint presentation. So, where is God present in all of this cheese talk? Well, I think there's a couple pretty clear places. One is, as I said before, I do think that God was present in the process that I went through yesterday in coming to learn, because I think whenever we learn, whenever we grow, God is always present moving within that process, because God's greatest desire, I think, for all of creation is to grow, to grow in knowledge, especially to grow in love, and to grow in unity and to grow in connection. And some would even say, and I I would argue this, to grow back into unity, because that's what the first two creation stories teach us, is that we were created unified. It is sin that we see in Genesis chapter 3, which pulls us apart into the state of the world that we see today. So God was certainly present in that learning and the learning process. And I also think, you know, God is present in any type of study of the Bible, especially study of translations. You know, too often I think we read the Bible 
and we use it for devotional purposes and for prayer purposes. And those are fantastic, and those should be, I think, the primary purposes for which we use the Bible. That being said, I, I think even the average Christian, the average person in the pew, so to speak, would benefit from learning at least somewhat about biblical translation and the process and the Hebrew. And I'm fascinated, as I've said in other podcasts, for the New Testament, the Aramaic that Jesus spoke that is behind and underneath and within any English or French or German or Spanish, whatever language that that is translated into. So I hope from this podcast you have learned, excuse me, a thing or two about the Bible, about cheese, and also hopefully about God. So in conclusion, where is God present to you recently in learning? Learning about things that surprised you, things you didn't didn't know. And what have you done with that knowledge? Have you told others? Have you taught others? Have you blogged on it? Have you did a podcast on it? How have you shared that knowledge with others? And how, again, is God present in that process of the learning and the growing and ultimately the connecting or even reconnecting? As always, thank you so much for listening. Blessings and peace.